0: So, why record podcasts about your World Cup experiences, or in this instance, my World Cup experiences? Why would I record podcasts about uh, different moments in the World Cup, Uh, whether it's my World Cup Saturday, four inspirational games, three stunning wins, two shocking missed penalty kicks. And one unexpected draw all rolled into 10 hours of soccer glory. I think the reason I did it was because it was what I was experiencing and also because it was something that had become a, a main storyline for day-to-day life for the next month. See, the World Cup is interesting because uh, it's the culmination of a long journey, even making it into the tournament is uh, a huge year-long process multiple years for some clubs it can start at one world cup but take the time for a second world cup tournament to end before they've actually seen the results of their goals it's a long process It's also the chance to compete in a tournament that occurs every four years. Uh, It's a rare event. It's something like the Olympics, but like the Olympics, it's a journey that is a series of accomplishments and luck, and the way that those factors play into each team's uh, successes and opportunities and missed opportunities is part of the compelling drama that always shapes the road to the World Cup as well as the uh, tournament of the World Cup itself. To capture that was to capture the spirit of an entire world with so many countries represented, uh, so many compelling stories that came from each country, from each team, and from the players, and how those stories shaped the lens that we use to view each game, and the events before and after games, and how they shaped the storyline that we were creating, uh, each of us who was viewing the World Cup, and was trying to take in the full scope of something that begins, much like the Olympics, with so much going on all at once, but then gradually fades as each story comes to an end. The winners advance and the teams that did not advance either pack up, prepare for the next one, or reflect. And all of those elements, in my opinion, were compelling reasons to record podcasts about different uh, periods during that storyline and also to take advantage of the moments when a game had ended or a game was about to begin and much like one team would eventually be doing do pause and reflect on the many things that had led to that team's ability or opportunity or luck to be competing in that game or the different events that would decide their fate once the game was done. And in many times, uh, the difference between a win and a draw or a loss and a draw was the difference between fighting for one more game or knowing that the points were stacked against you and it was time to go home. I personally thought that Each one of those moments was a compelling story. I tried my best to capture the ones that I could explain and provide with enough detail to make them engaging for my listeners. And with each one of these podcasts, I had the opportunity to make that attempt. But it's only when I hear back from you that I'm going to know just how successful I was. Because in many ways, I have my own standards of which parts were successful and which parts didn't meet my expectations. And I find that interesting because uh, that was actually one of the podcasts that I recorded not long after I started this series. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. After recording my first podcast, which was a 10-hour day, a full Saturday that just... There was so much going on, it felt like you weren't keeping up with all of the possibilities. And you couldn't. There were still so many variables in the air, even after all of the games that had been played. And yet what came out of it for me was the different... Uh, expectations that each team and player uh, whose story was told uh, online or on television, that those expectations were met with either the reality they hoped or a reality that was quite opposite. And my next podcast was an opportunity to look into how expectation and reality had played such a role in this world cup um <laughs> i started the podcast out with a uh, a moment of uh, humility which was when i overslept or slept in and would spend the morning trying to catch up on the game scores and highlights that uh happened earlier in the day and that I was either catching through news programs or through my own recording of the games. And on these mornings, at least once or twice, my French bulldog, Bruno, could be heard snoring in my ear, in the microphone. It seemed like his snore was everywhere. (laughs) Um, But beyond the personal, it was also an opportunity to look at a few players, The World Cup had many stars as the tournament uh, was preparing to launch and when it launched. And two of the biggest would have to be uh, Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo has been a bright light for uh, Benfica and for Portugal. And yet, in a tournament like the World Cup, the game is more often about the team than it can ever be about the one player. Yes, there are many players, and Ronaldo and Messi have proven that they can take a game over and make things happen. But that's not always possible against a well-prepared, equally talented team. And in the World Cup, More often than not, these solo players are not able to shine the way they would like to unless their team is able to support them the way they need them to. Messi had, for the past 15, 20 years, been a rising star whose continued success was marked in a way that made many believe that this was to be his coronation. Argentina has a legendary history in the World Cup, dating, uh, in my memory, as far back as uh, 1986, Maradona, the Hand of God play. Um, But it's been a long time since they've come close to achieving uh, a World Cup title the way they did that year. he gets, the more pressure Messi uh, has been feeling, is feeling and will continue to feel. If Argentina keeps missing this World Cup title uh, as the greatest player they've ever had, aside from, say, Maradona, um, this is an expectation that the only chance they have of doing it is through him and the only way it's going to happen. Is if Messi makes it happen and during this World Cup Argentina struggled and Messi was not able to shine the way he and the world had expected it it was difficult much like uh, other major events when there's advertising and promotion for a player who's expected to do well because when they don't watching those commercials afterwards can be awkward painful even And that was the case with Messi there were at least two or three commercials all focused on how you know this was the World Cup where he would shine but Argentina faltered and by comparison uh, Ronaldo and Portugal uh, advanced Ronaldo scored (laughs) numerous goals and Messi was held scoreless even the support of his teammates seemed to complicate uh, opportunities, or when he allowed them to take a pass instead of fighting for the shot for himself, the opportunities passed them by. Um, and like these two players, there were also other expectations and realities. By comparison, um, teams like Iran and Serbia were a great example of the unexpected mixing with the reality of the World Cup. Iran and Serbia uh, had long been teams sort of scratching at the edges, teams who at times would make it into the tournament, but were rarely expected to do well, rarely expected to perform well, and uh, unsurprisingly were not expected to advance. And yet Iran and Serbia were able to make impressive advances throughout their group stage and show themselves to be contenders when some of the many vaulted teams and countries struggled. It was also an opportunity for redemption. Neymar and Brazil had had two difficult appearances in the last two World Cups and those experiences had been very damaging for a team with a very regal history. A team who um, behind championships uh, that they achieved with their star player Pele and with a history of passion, excitement and beautiful gameplay. Those elements had not been on display in the last two World Cups And the loss of uh, Neymar in the last World Cup, his inability to uh, be as effective as he wanted to through injury, was something that was um, overshadowing this World Cup as he had recovered from a recent ankle surgery only a few months prior. And many wondered how his body would be able to stand up to the rigors. That also became um, part of the storyline because a thread that developed was the way other teams played physically against Neymar and the uh, belief or the two main beliefs which were that one he was being uh, manhandled and that referees were not protecting him or that he was a flop and that in instances where it looked like he was taking it very difficult or that he was receiving a hard hit or a hard foul that should have been looked at more closely. From some camera angles, it was clear that there had been no contact before he went down. And this became another uh, version of the reality and expectations question, because now the question was not only how will Neymar's body hold up and will the physical play get worse or take its toll, but it became how will he be judged in the eyes of the soccer community and also in the eyes of officials who have to make the difficult decision about calling whether or not a foul has occurred, especially when it's inside of a critical area like the 18-yard box and could set up a one-on-one penalty kick that oftentimes was a deciding factor for many of these games. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. My next recording was about July 4th and the role of freedom and independence in the celebration of American life. But also it was an opportunity to reflect on what that freedom meant in relationship with and to the World Cup, and then there was an opportunity in my next cast, the eight days leading to the World Cup final, to talk about the stories that had led us to this point and what essentially felt like the home stretch, the uh, final push that would bring about the end of the tournament and announce its champions. And then, when the tournament was over, it took days to respond. I watched the final game. I was thrilled and excited. And afterwards, there was a sense that I needed to let it all sink in. Because many of the stories that were so engaging right at that moment were engaging because they were occurring in that moment. But the World Cup had shown me that the stories in the moment often had a deeper story that was told later. This became uh, apparent in a few games when players made political statements after scoring a goal or uh, winning a game. Some of these statements were made verbally, others were made through gestures. Um, And it was the explanation, not only of what these statements meant for the players, but how they were perceived and received by the world. That was something that really stuck with me when the final whistle sounded. And it was announced that France had won the World Cup. I knew that there was so much more than just the final score and the players who were on the pitch and those who didn't get a chance to play. And those stories unfolded over the next days and for the next two weeks. And that was when I had a chance to view the end of the World Cup with a sense of perspective and that I could reflect on things that had occurred since its ending. Like the announcement that uh, France's star player Mbappe had been playing with injury in the final two games that France had to play, that he donated his winnings to charitable causes, and that he was just one of the many stories that were emerging. Entering their final game, France was a team looking for redemption and for leadership from its youth, and Croatia was this ragtag group of refugees who had fled their home country due to violence when they were children and had, by the time they were adults, worked their way back home and sought each other out to form a team that represented um, the kind of resilience that it takes to experience what they did as children and then to come back and play in the final game on the world's biggest stage. Some can argue that's the Olympics. Others will argue that's the World Cup. But they made it because of their belief in each other and their belief in why they were there. And the stories that allowed them to appear there and to share their experience was the story that even now, continues to resonate as we approach September and the close of the year, and teams have already moved back into their professional groupings, the Bundesliga in Germany, the English Premier League, have all begun their regular seasons, but in the back of everyone's head is the World Cup that just ended, because the events and the experiences there is what is shaping their goals as they look forward to the World Cup in 2022. While I had an opportunity to check in for 30 days and record my opinions and reflections, that was just another checkpoint, four-year milestone, leading to the next World Cup, and like a chapter in a book, the story of the World Cup is a novel with a long history and a bright future. And so often in stories, that is all we need to remember each time we return to them, the history that built them and the future that it's leading to. I can't think of a better reason to record my reflections or to talk about that kind of story. I appreciate you taking the time to listen with me. I look forward to sharing my next story with you. But I quickly learned that recording these podcasts was not just about the games I was watching and the storylines that they were creating, there were also questions and opportunities that arose because of the tournament, and following those just felt like a natural way of viewing this entire event, but doing it by looking at how it impacted and reflected in the lives of others. I remember walking to work and seeing a new business that was at the corner now of Grand and Webster Streets in Oakland, and it was called The Athletic Club. And The Athletic Club opened right around the start of the NBA Finals, where the Golden State Warriors were very prominently featured, and driving by at night, when there was a game, you could see the lines stretched down the street and around the block. But what caught my attention walking to work one morning was when I noticed that the marquee sign hanging over the door announced that, Welcome to your new home for soccer. That was the first time I'd ever seen a sports club promoting itself as the home base for World Cup or any soccer. And I was excited as I thought about the idea of going to watch a game there. And I was encouraged because my good friend DJ had moved back from the Hawaiian Islands, was living in Oakland now, and we had both played soccer together when we were younger. So a few text messages at the start of the cup had led to a discussion about meeting up and watching a game together and just catching up. I mentioned that I'd seen the sign for this club and a few days later I walked in and spoke with the owner who let me know that yes, they were open every morning for every game and had been open since the opening of the tournament when some of the games were starting at 3am. I was overjoyed and a little surprised but immediately made contact with my good friend DJ and we decided to make a plan. And on the morning of the Uruguay-Russia game, he met me at my place around 6.45. And we walked up the street to settle in and watch a great game. And what I found was more than one story occurring in our conversation. Because there was also a backstory. Much like soccer is not just about the World Cup. That soccer is played every day leading up to it and every day after. And that in leagues and countries around the world, soccer is a daily expression of life. And it had been that way for DJ and I when we first met playing soccer for Las Positas and chasing young men's dreams about becoming athletes and being recognized as professionals if we could. Suffice to say, neither of us ever made it, but it was that dream and that passion that connected us on a soccer field, and it was that shared understanding that allowed us to continue a friendship afterwards. Sitting down to watch the game with him was the continuance of a thread line that had begun over 20 years ago, and that was bound by our friendship and also our shared connection over a sport that we had both grown to love. I ended up writing a post about that conversation because our conversation moved into topics like community, and it was reflected in DJ's thoughts and opinions regarding a ESPN 3030 documentary called Nose Chape about a team from Brazil who died in a plane crash and the community that existed before their passing and the attempts to rebuild it after and the challenges that were faced. And that led to um, a bit of reflection on the U.S. men's national team and what community meant for its current standings and the uh, shocking announcement that it would not be appearing in the World Cup this year and the sense of community that is shared by people who live around each other and how that changes based on what environmental factors can play a role. This was mirrored uh, by comparing... DJ's time in Hawaii, which is an island and which has to enact certain practices in order to survive. The shape, uh, size, and limitations, such as being surrounded on all sides by water, means that what happens in one area of Hawaii quickly affects the entire island and that it becomes a shared responsibility because without that understanding, the island won't survive. It's too small. It has too many people. There are too few resources. And the irresponsible use of those could lead to a loss of life for everyone on the island, or it could ruin the island itself and make it uninhabitable. In many ways, the North American continent is an island. Aside from a few tenuous connections to land on other continents, we are, in the end, surrounded on all sides by water. And while that is not something that limits us currently, it does show that at some point, like Hawaii, we will have to recognize that what happens on one side of the continent affects everyone and that those decisions could eventually make where we live uninhabitable but that much as Hawaii has shown us by creating an island sense of responsibility and wrapping arms around our community that recognition is a key to Success and in the long run, survival. I'm not sure that I would have stumbled upon this theme or this idea or even these topics if it had not been for looking at the World Cup and the tournament the way I had. And if I hadn't followed the opportunities like finding the sports club, meeting with my friend DJ, or having a great talk about soccer and community. I didn't start my podcast about the World Cup because I believed all of these things were immediately there, but I knew that they were things that I had felt and experienced during my time as a young player and when I was older watching games, and I just needed to dig around enough, and I would uncover them, and when I did, I could find those connections. Sitting down with my friend DJ, reflecting on our soccer past as young athletes of the storylines occurring in the tournament now, and of how our understanding of the sport shaped our view of the world, is an experience and a story that I only got to tell because I chose to look at podcasting and the World Cup through the lens of a story. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. The last reason that comes to mind for why I would choose to record these series of podcasts would be for documentation. (laughs) I'm not going to say uh, posterity because I'm not operating under... A sense of infallibility. I don't believe that what I'm doing is a rigorous form of documentation. But the farther that I'll get away from the World Cup, and it's already been a month since it ended, but the farther that I find myself traveling away from the games, the harder it might be and will be because it already is difficult to remember the details but by capturing it with my words both spoken aloud and then written down and logging it away or even uploading it to this podcast and sharing it is a way to keep those details alive to record them in a way that I can return to them and remember, with their help, things that, it seems the day-to-day responsibilities just push so much to the side, and it becomes harder to recall what we want, when we want. And my hope is that this and other forms of documentation will allow me to look back hopefully with fondness and probably mild moments of embarrassment or chagrin as I recognize where I could have done something better or where I would have liked to have done something different. And yet despite that, a fondness and a recognition of a thrilling reflective and in the end I guess wonderful time uh, that lasted for 30 days and seemed to take over my world and from what I understand the worlds of many people and in some way to have this record that says This is what it was like in the moment. And I think really there is no better explanation than that. A record of the moment in the moment. And all because I wanted to be alive and full of the same passion that existed then when I return to it again. I'm looking forward to finding more of these opportunities through the stories that not only exist, but arise periodically in our lives. And I'm fairly certain that there are some people out there who might have suggestions of The stories that are commonly overlooked or that could use a fresh take. And much like this, a recording or documentation that says this is what was happening in the moment. And when you listen, you'll feel that. You'll hear it and you will experience the sensation, if I'm doing it correctly, if I'm sharing it well, if I'm doing my part in relating it to you in a way that makes it accessible. And I'm looking forward to seeing not only my results, but also where I can do things differently and maybe where I've surprised myself with more success than I actually thought I was accomplishing (laughs) thanks again for listening it's been a pleasure to bring you uh, a reflection on a series of stories that Related to me on a personal level, but also allowed me to connect with the world um, on a level that could be simplified by something as simple as sport, but I think is deepened with a shared understanding that I like to think of as camaraderie. Thanks again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing more stories with you and hopefully stories that you bring to my attention. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link. That says to support me, should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support, is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So, thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support. And for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.